Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book writer and very nice chap, Daniel Calvin, about what comics he'd taken to a solar storm reset apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Comic Scene. To support their work, you can become a friend of Comic Scene for just £20 a year. When you become a friend, you get access to premium content on the website, including Comic Scene Weekly, Newsstand Comics, Retro Comics, Comic Shop of the Week, and free comic downloads. To find out more visit comicscene.org. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Daniel Calvin. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. It's been a sunny day over here in the UK, so that's been really nice. And then drove my in-laws to uh, to the ferry because uh, they live over in France. Um, and uh, yeah, and no, I just standard standard weekend parent stuff <laughs> basically <laughs> yeah. yeah birthday parties and stuff like that how about you what's been going on this weekend uh, it's been pretty quiet here um basically you know yeah. stuff around the neighborhood and things like that and watching some friends play D D um last night and today nice uh other than that just helping with groceries and uh doing yeah. some project management and you can do some reading after uh, this today. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, um, well, we'll get into that project later on. Um, but uh, for for all the listeners that haven't come across you just yet, what do you do in the world of comics? Hey, I'm the writer of American Dreams, which is a steampunk-esque um, superhero comic set in the Gilded Age here in New York City. And I'm the also the writer of the upcoming Night Raft series, which is a... 90s set um, well 90s influenced I would say more than 90s influenced um, anti-hero story with a uh, what happens when a person with like low self-esteem gains a massive amount of power and you know what it has to do with it especially when certain people come after it yes awesome man and that is launching on the 15th of March right right it's launching on Kickstarter on March 15th amazing and as we as our listeners hear this that'll be tomorrow (laughs) Um, so folks go check out the pre-launch phase um page if uh you're listening to this on the monday the 14th of march but if uh you are now uh tuesday the 15th of march go check it out on kickstarter just search for night wrath and that's beginning with a k as in uh, knights of the round table um and uh wrath obviously um, W-R-A-T-H um, but of course that link for that is in the show notes um, and where else can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Daniel Calvin as well as the American Dreams comic and Atlas Studio Comics Facebook pages you can find me at, at Daniel Calvin on Twitter and D Calvin and um, Atlas Studios Comics on Instagram Awesome. And again, all those links are in the show notes. Um, and uh, before we get into the um, main parts of the episode, um, what made you uh, pursue Night Wrath? It's one of those things where I'm talking to an artist and I'm literally asking them, what do you like to draw? What kind of stories do you want to do? So I like to tailor it more. 
sometimes tailor my writing to the artist instead of just right. like going, here's the script. Cause I don't always have a script ready yeah. just to give them. And Gabe mm-hmm. Santos Escovo, um, Escovo art, uh, really likes big guys. He likes his 90 influence and he had a couple ideas and we just tossed the ball back and forth. And then we basically mm-hmm. thought of this kind of nebbish, uh, gaining, a massive, becoming a massive, this best of brood of an anti-hero. And I just ran with that ball and I, we already, I've already outlined, outline written Marvel style, though in my, this case, uh, it, it's a page outline Marvel style. So actually it's broken down to every yeah. page and just like paragraph of the full arc. So those three issues are, so issue one is what the Kickstarter is for and two issues, two for three other than dialogue is completely quote unquote written. Right. Amazing. Um, well, that's really cool. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing uh, the actual campaign launch. Um, from from what I've seen, um, it's uh, it looks absolutely amazing. So um, and you've got a heck of a following already, almost 200 followers on your pre-launch page already. So that's yeah. uh, that's really encouraging. So um, best of luck with thank the campaign. You, thank you so much. No worries, man. Now that aside, unfortunately. Um, just as you're launching a Kickstarter, we are being hit by a solar storm and we're heading into an electronic reset, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and so my uh, my question for you is, what is your action plan for survival in this solar storm reset apocalypse? Well, ideally, I would have had like a fallout shelter by this point, but yeah. I guess it's, you know, banding together as a community and just... Thankfully, I live in a relatively suburban part of Brooklyn, um, yeah. and so we'd probably start arranging, you know, community gardens, things like that. And you no, know, we still got the library and everything, even though it's probably going to be people are going to go crazy. But it's nice. you can survive more. It's like electricity is, you know, one thing we can survive more by just banding together as a community, you know, planting, organizing, things like that. Basically, the kibbutz model, except you know, no electricity. Yeah, <laughs> nice man, and uh, yeah, I it, it, that sounds very idyllic. Um, and what's even more idyllic is that I, I suspect that your neighborhood would be the type of one that would possibly have um, kind of you know fires to to gather around at night and sing songs and and things like that. Yeah, in some, um, some parts yes, some parts no. It depends on yeah, you know, part of the neighborhood. I mean, it'll be some probably some initial chaos. You know, because you know of humanity, course. but I think yeah. the neighborhood would most often not pull together. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, and uh, yeah, around this campfire, um, people start uh, asking um, everybody what what they do in their yeah, what they do as a living and in their spare time. And you know, the fact that you write comics comes up around the campfire, and people get interested in it. And they start asking you more questions about comics. And uh, the first question that they ask you is, "What's the first comic you remember enjoying?" And I actually found it. I actually found it on my bookshelf uh, a little while ago. I actually went out and looked for it. It's a Betty right. and Veronica Digest, specifically Betty and Veronica Digest Magazine number sixty-six, uh, February nineteen ninety-four. I found it literally <laughs> lying on the ground by on Prospect Park West when I was maybe five or six. 
And at the time, my parents didn't want me to be really reading comics. They really wanted me reading real books. I was already reading by the time I was four. And I remember picking it up on the way home, either with my mom or my or my babysitter or my sister. And I started leafing through it, and I'm just giggling because it's a really hysterically funny comics. <laughs> it's like little short comics, little you know, and they'll kick and enjoy, and it's family friendly and everything. Right. And I never heard of Archie because you know when you're a little kid and you're just going for pop culture osmosis, you heard of Superman. Batman the Animated was big in my life, so I read Batman. Mm. So, but I never heard of Archie or Betty and Veronica. And this was like one of those little funny intros to comics. It's like normally every little kid goes starts with you know a superhero comic, but my first was Betty and Veronica. That's fantastic. And so obviously that set you on the path to becoming a big comic book fan. Um, and uh, through your teenage years, what was what was your go-to? See, here's the funny thing. So because of the whole thing, my parents didn't really have me buy comic books regularly. Like, of course, by the time I was able to buy my own money, the comic books, because there used to be a place I could go just across the street from my house to get comics at like the local bodega. And then after a while, you know, the diamond exclusively in stores and comic book shops mm. happened. So that I couldn't get comics regularly. My comics mostly growing up my dad's comics from the 1960s that he had from when he was a kid and he had stuck yeah. in the back of his closet at my grandparents' house in Freeport. And um, <laughs> so when I got them, they were in good condition and I can tell you for certain they're not in good condition now at all uh, because they were just <laughs> really bad. well read and loved. But I remember getting Ultimate Spider-Man Volume 1, the big Volume 1, which is like two arcs when I was right. a kid and enjoying it and Ultimate Fantastic Four, that first big volume and loving it. And I think also Superman Birthright by uh, Mark Wade and Linnell Yu, mm-hmm. which I just adored. I think it was a perfect Superman origin. I actually got signed by uh, Mark Wade at my first Baltimore Comic Con. I actually took a break from my table to get signed by him. And he told nice. me Superman Birthright is the best thing he ever wrote and his favorite thing he ever wrote. Right. Amazing. So that, that worked out really well. And then in college, uh, I was bored. It was a, there was a blizzard in 2010 here in New York. And yeah. and so I get, I'm, I'm bored on my mind. I'm stuck in the house because no matter how much you shovel, it's, everything's shut down still. <laughs> yeah. And so I end up finding out about comiXology. And then I start binge reading comics on there. And I also start writing fan movie scripts for Superman and Batman. And I won't show them really. They're on my old DeviantArt probably somewhere very deep. Uh, they're, nice. really, they're really not very good. Um, I mean, there's a glimmer oh, of potential, but it's not very good. <laughs> and, uh, um, it's, fun. it's all fun in games, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And then that started me writing more fan fiction and fan scripts. And then ended up me writing my own material. And lo and behold. Nice. And uh, so um, in terms of kind of any of your own published works, whether it be self-published through Kickstarter or anything, was American Dreams your first one or did you have something before that? It was my first published pu- actually out in, out in physical form. I did do a yeah. short, very short, like one and a half issues worth webcomic, a Western called The Eagle. I know that you right. guys have a British comic. It's a comedy yeah. album called The Eagle. Exactly. Yeah, mine, yeah. mine was more like a Lone Ranger type. Oh yeah, and I, I, it's funny because I have another Western I'm writing, and I kind of 
took elements from there, but it's like a more of a regular Western, not a Lone Ranger Western. But you might you can find like the scripts again on my, on my old DeviantArt account if you can find them. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, nice! I'm still all there. I'm yeah, trying to dig it out. Yeah, like <laughs> it's like I haven't been on DeviantArt in ages because after they did this yeah. whole user interface change, I just disliked it. So I all just right. went cold turkey. Um, Fair play. Um, but there's like there's what there's like, and I also didn't think about page count because it was like a thirty page plus first issue nice and ultimately i was working on that i was working on american dreams and something had to give so the eagle went up and put how do you put to the side yeah and i had to concentrate on american dreams and now have a little more you know flexibility with projects but you know eventually i'll probably return to the eagle eventually someday yeah at some point nice yeah. man Nice. Now, uh, returning to the uh, to the community um, fire, um, the next question that crops up is: What's the funniest comic that you've read? Well, you, it's well, I don't know about the funniest comic, but there's a very funny moment I thought it was the, which I thought it's perfect for anyone's a New York Jew. It's from Holly yeah. Quinn, the Palmiotti Connor run number six. Actually, I was actually looking it up this day on DC Infinite before we started, Great. and. Um, it's she's going against these Russian henchmen with uh, cyborg, not cyborg, cyborg, the elderly Jewish uh, patient of hers at the um, retirement home she works at. Right. And he, they're going over Russian agents, and there's this huge standoff at the Prospect Park Zoo. And these bagels are tossed at the former KGB agents, and their certificates like these bagels smell off. Oh no, there, and they explode. <laughs> and the sound effect is kosher. <laughs> and I remember just laughing my head off. You must have, did you take a step back for a second? Or yeah, was it just an instant laughing, laughing out loud moment? It, 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 it doesn't help that um, the next panel is Harley going bagel grenades and Sai going, I know, not so kosher. <laughs> Oh, that's a, that's a nice, uh, <laughs> nice little joke, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, no. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, it's kind you, of, where where were you reading that? I was in my college dorm room. I think it was on Comicsology. Okay. And um, yeah. no, no, no. Wait, it's twenty. It's it's when did this come out? It's women twenty third. Yeah, twenty thirteen. So I was in my college, either my room at home, or at or if I had just graduated college, or it was my or it was um, my dorm room and at. Um, mm. at well the apartment I was living in for college and I just remember just taking a few minutes to take myself together because I was laughing so hard and <laughs> I think either my roommate or my mom like were like are you okay I'm like I'm fine I'm fine <laughs> that's excellent man that's nice it's a nice moment yeah. cool well uh, changing gears the next question that comes up is what's the saddest comic or most upsetting moment in a comic that you've read? Uh, the death of Damien Wayne. Um, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it didn't help that it was released like a week or two before my birthday. So I'm like, thanks, Grant. Oh, man. <laughs> it just, I don't like kids being killed in comics. It's really yeah. depressing. And then you hear about all the behind the scenes stuff that went on that with Morrison running kind of roughshod and steamrolling over every other Bat book. 
to the point right. they had to actually interrupt their entire plans for a uh, memorial issue in almost every single bat book at the time. It's like, yeah, it's needless. It was heartbroken. And you find out later that Morrison was basically doing it to deal with something in their own past trauma. And it's like, yeah, why? Yeah. Thankfully, Demosi <laughs> Gleason and Cupid reversed it. So, yeah. and now we have the little demon brat, you know, running around, actually starring in his own series again. And actually, I hear, and actually it's a really fun series. Oh, there you go. There's always a silver lining, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Nice, man. Um, and then, um, yeah, changing gears once again, kind of in a similar theme. Uh, what's the scariest comic that you've read? There's this comic, I believe it's by Scott Snyder, it's called Severed. And it's basically about a cannibal that preys on kids during the Great Depression. Yeah, and it's so <laughs> creepy. Like, which is creepy. Yeah, you like, which is, you know, is creepy. Like, it's, which is good. <clears throat> So this is good, this is, but this is so like spine. I was, I was like, at the time I had taken it out of the library here in Brooklyn, and I finished it, and I literally tweeted Scott Snyder, "This is the most messed up. I love it, but it's the most best book I think I've ever read." <laughs> it's like, and there's a finale sequence in it, which is this adds to the fear. And it's, it's, yeah. it's, I'm not going to spoil what happens or anything. But it's like, and yeah, I, I think saying, I, yeah. and I said, told you, it's like the cherry on the top of the Fright Sunday. Yeah. It's a terrifying book, but it's really, really good. Yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? Like, you, it's almost like a car crash, I guess. Like, yeah. you don't want to look, but you just keep on kind of, you know, you can't help it. Yeah. Almost. Um, but, but kind of peer over. Um, and uh, yeah, just one of those. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to put that on my reading list. I haven't um, read that myself. Yeah. Um, well, I, th- I think it's been mentioned before on the podcast. But uh, yeah, no, I'll definitely um, at least at least give the first few issues a go. Yeah, and it's it's like a six issue mini. You can find the trade. Cool. I think most of oh, okay. Anywhere. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Great. Yeah. So you can just power through it. Um, so it's not too <laughs> too uh, too long. That it's just just becomes untenable. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Now moving on to my favorite question, and that is what is your favorite cover? I actually have this one in CGC. I found it on eBay and I had to buy it like right away. It is mm-hmm. Batman six fifteen from the Hush Run. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. you know, it's gonna be Jim Lee, it's gonna be gorgeous. And it's Batman, Nightwing, and Gotham City. And what's not to love with just that image? It's a great like just it's my two two of my favorite heroes, but the mm-hmm. architecture in the background of Gotham is just so well done. It's a great yeah. cityscape. It is, and I mean <clears throat> the whole thing is balanced really well. Yeah, um, isn't it? From you know, Batman being on his left foot, Nightwing on his right foot, and yeah. kind of creating this nice. Um, I mean, it's almost like if you drew an outline, like on the outside of both their legs and night wings like inside elbow that would almost look like the shape of a building in a way yeah um and it feels like that window like is really nice with the gotham landscape behind and now just beautifully balanced yeah totally man really good choice where did you come across that one for the first time uh 
probably reading the trade of Batman Hush because right, and then it's like and seeing it in the back. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, yeah. I think it's in the chapter, and then oh, yeah, I got, right. and then my first personal copy I owned of Hush because I was going into from the library for years, but when I got Batman Hush, I got the absolute edition. So seeing that mm. in the in like the massive, was it? Like eleven by, not, I wouldn't say by eleven by seventeen because I think it's slightly smaller than actual drawn size, mm-hmm. but it's such a great looking image. Yeah, no, incredible. Um, again, Jim Lee, the master. <laughs> what can you say? Yeah, <laughs> totally nice man. Really good choice. Uh, now, uh, moving on to another of my favorite questions, and you kind of alluded to this earlier but what's the most meaningful comic to you um it's my dad's comics from the 1960s um it, it was yeah. his comics growing up uh i got them when i was like eight or nine like my dad knew i wanted comics and he we were visiting my grandparents and he's like you know what i still have my comics i think they're in the back of your my your cousin's closet because my cousin heidi was living with my grandparents um she was living in what was his his room um, when he was a kid and he found them now my grandmother of course had sold off a bunch of them over the years but I get I got them he, she sold off mainly I think most of the Marvel stuff I believe um, but like among the stuff is like the first Earth 3 saga the Silver Age Justice League origin mm-hmm. um, a lot of other like major like key books and of course, I was like eight or nine. I had no idea that these were important books. I just thought, ooh, comics. Mm. And mm. when I got them, they were in crappy condition because it was um, shoved in the back of a closet at that point, mm. probably for nearly 30 years. And I get them. I read them. I love them. And they you know, fall apart more and more and more. <laughs> so now we have them like kind of being preserved as best as we can. Um just for general, you know, preservation. Plus, I have like some yeah. on to buy with them in it now, so I don't have to worry as much as opening them. Yeah, uh, it's more about the connection than the value. Anyways, exactly. And I'll say yeah. the runner-up book of this of my meaningful comic is like one of the first back issue comics I found. Like just going through to a comic book shop, I went to a comic book shop in my probably either twelve or thirteen year old. And his contract no longer exists. It's in, it was somewhere in Park Slope in Brooklyn. And I found a old spectac- Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man. I, don't, I can't tell the issue number off the top of my head. But he's going off against this kind of Zorro guy named Rapier. It, and the covers them dueling with rapiers in the um, Cloisters Museum. Right. I think that's captured my imagination. It's actually one of my favorite little comics. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's that's the other thing. Um, obviously you living in New York, um, it must be such a point of pride to kind of read these stories as they're happening in your city. Yeah, it's really funny because when, when Gotham was in the air, my mom and I would watch it and have the fun with going, oh, they filmed here. Oh, they filmed there. Yeah. Oh, they filmed here. Yeah. No, that's so cool. Um, yeah, to have that point of reference, because obviously, yeah, not not everybody has that. And it's like, you know, for you, oh, that's just kind of, you know, down the street yeah. <laughs> <laughs> type of thing, um, which which must be quite, um, I don't know, inspiring maybe? Yeah. There was a episode of Gotham, and my mom was trying to figure out where they were filming, because it was supposed to be in a museum. 
And I take mm. one look and like, mom, it's the ballroom of the Brooklyn Museum. I've been to that Egyptian wing in that museum so long, so many times in my life because my life, mm-hmm. you, I should know what that ballroom looks like by like the top of my hand, like the back of my hand. Because if you ever go to the Brooklyn Museum, you go to the third floor, and that's where they have the Egyptian wing. But to get there, you have to cross this massive ballroom space. Right. And so I've known, and I've we used to live across the street from the museum before we moved when I was a kid. Uh, so I know that floor, you know, very well. Right, <laughs> and it's, yeah. and okay. it's like, mom, how do you not know the Brooklyn Museum ballroom? You took me like there like, <laughs> almost every weekend when I was a kid. <laughs> Classic. It's just it's so weird, uh, I guess, to see it on TV and all the different angles and things like that. Yeah. That it just, what's really funny yeah. is what's really funny, mm. like when they did the new Law and Order series, uh, Organized Crime, there's mm-hmm. a scene where the, the, uh, the I guess the captain is telling Elliot Stabler, meet me at the Metropolitan Museum tomorrow We go out for to talk. They're not actually, and when they actually cut to the actual meeting, they're actually filming in the Brooklyn Museum's Egyptian wing, not the Metropolitan Museum. So I'm like, right. I know those canopic jars anywhere. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do end up doing that a few times. Don't they? It's like, uh, yeah, they used um, for in the Da Vinci Code. I think they used like the Lincoln Abbey instead of the Westminster Abbey. Yeah, um, for one of the scenes and stuff like that. Well, you kind of have to. Sometimes, don't you? Um, yeah, due to filming I mean, restrictions and stuff. I mean, but. I mean, a good example in, uh, recently released is the Batman because it's right. it's only filmed, I think, in Liverpool and Edinburgh and Glasgow as well, and right? Glasgow, yeah. Except they also somehow interrelated parts of New York and Chicago. Yeah, and it's like this weird <laughs> hodgepodge. It really works. Mash it up together. Yeah, yeah. Oh, as long as it works, that's the main it, thing. It, right? it looks so good on screen. Oh, that's great! I haven't seen it yet, so, it's so, good. Um, so yeah, I am eager to. I'm so eager to get to the cinema to go there. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, now, uh, moving on to our next question: um, What's the most underrated comic? It's uh, I was actually was debating this back and forth in my mind before I was, you know, just talking mm. to you about it, and I came up with Man and Superman by Marv Wolfman and Claudio Castellini. Right. It was this book that was originally for the uh, Superman Secret Files series back in, I think, the before New 52 happened. And for some reason, they kept delaying it, delaying it, canceling And then the series was canceled anyways because of New 52. And then a few years ago, they released it in comic shops as an ultra-sized one-shot, and then they did a hardcover of it. And it's a very good modern-day Superman origin where he's dealing with right. a lot of self-doubts and everything and like it you can tell little bits and pieces from past origins but it really fits to today's more today's audience a bit more yeah i mean when he when clark arrives in metropolis he's basically forced to live in like this flea bag one room apartment that's just right. really disgusting he's having a lot of self-doubts um and then Things, you know, he just keeps going and working hard. At the one point, you can tell he's ready just to throw in the towel because he's just utterly miserable. He feels like there's no hope. And then, I forget, it's been a while since I read it, but something reminds him of hope and why he came to Metropolis right. in the first place. Yeah, And that's when we start seeing the real Superman coming forward. Ah, uh, there you go. 
Nice man. I'm, uh, yeah, I haven't I haven't read this one myself, so I'm going to definitely have to. You're um... in a deluxe hardcover now, so it's easier to find. Nice. Yeah, all together in one one nice uh, thing. Um, but you know, I'm definitely going to have to read that one. Sounds like it's another another good one. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Sorry, man. I was, I was just looking on it. I was just looking, trying to find it on uh, on uh, on eBay uh, there quickly. Well, if you find the deluxe hardcover, I think on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or most yeah, bookstores. Probably, um, yeah, you guys have Forbidden Planet, I think, in the UK, which might definitely have it. Oh, no doubt they'll have it. I've got, yeah, yeah and, no doubt on that. For yeah, sure, we, man, we have, absolutely. we actually do have Forbidden Planet here in New York City. I think it's like the only Forbidden Planet that's not connected to the actual Forbidden Planet network i think it just licenses and names uh, well, like or one point one. it was connected to it a long time ago God, yeah. and it's really funny because i go there or to and two doors down is one of my favorite bookstores in the entire world the strand bookstore which is also a great place to get comic books so it's like i can right. check to strand or for Bay planet if i'm in like the union square area i don't have to go all the way to times square to uh midtown comics nice cool man yeah no just um looking on uh, ebay folks <laughs> just so you know yeah it's it's about 20 quid you can get it for on ebay um or of course you can go to amazon yeah to to get it as well um but yeah anyway um my shopping aside <laughs> as we speak um moving on to our penultimate question um what comic would you recommend to a friend who's never read comics I would say DC the New Frontier or Justice New Frontier. No, it's DC the New Frontier as the it does it's mm-hmm. DC the New Frontier is the book, Justice League the New Frontier is the cartoon. Let's just clarify that. Right. Uh, but it's DC the New Frontier. <laughs> it's a, like a love letter to DC Comics and everything that's great about DC Comics. It's a love letter to the Silver Age. Mm-hmm. It's a love letter to the Space Age. It's also so this has such great and and the, it's just other comics in general, but the art by Darwin Cook, may rest in peace, is just so freaking good. Yes, and, it is. It's a great, great one. <laughs> and it's like such a like the art is like so definitely uh, feels like of the time period, but still timeless. Mm-hmm. And he was mm-hmm. such a great artist. I really wish I got to meet him, but unfortunately, before I ever got to go to a comic con, he um, unfortunately passed um, not too long before yeah. I could go. So. There, there's the. So yeah, really slabs. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, he he left a great legacy. Yep. I was <clears> with that really, didn't he? Yeah, my, I think my second favorite run of what, everything he did DC because he's he done a lot of stuff, and I want to see like Batman Ego or Catwoman. What I really love that what Darren Cook also did at DC was his Spirit run on well, just the Spirit, which is was also a great reinvention of the character. Hmm. And this is also oh, and this, and this, and this is actually today. I think the end of Will Eisner week, so I have to give a little bit of a bump for Will Eisner <laughs> for uh, that as well. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Why not? Why not? Excellent. Well, um, <clears throat> moving on to our last question, and that is: if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse, which would it be? This is there was one where I was like was like uh, bouncing around in my brain. And what, like originally, I was thinking all my all-time favorite Batman run, which is Hush. But then at the end, I'm like, you know what? We're in an apocalypse. We need hope—a giant book of hope. And I went with yeah. All-Star Superman. 
bingo. Great choice. Um, yeah, it's a classic. Yeah, even though it ends on a like a slightly tragic note, it is ultimately a book about hope. Yeah, and connection, yeah. and just seeing the bigger picture, and you know, being a bigger gathering of humanity. Mm-hmm. It's also silver agey as heck, but it's so good, and it's such a love letter yeah. to the character. Grant Morrison did a great job on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like they totally. kind of they kind and of, he didn't kill any kids. <laughs> no, he didn't. No, he didn't. <laughs> and it's actually it's like there's some stuff they flat out cut from the movie, which I thought they should have had. Well, it probably wouldn't work because because I know they the DCMA movies are like oh like an hour twenty, and this would probably made it two hours. But actually, there's a whole Jimmy mm. Olsen, um, Jimmy Olsen section, a whole Bizarro World section, which I thought would, would just be great to see on screen, but. I guess they had to yeah. cut it. Maybe for, one day. Yeah, maybe one day. If they do a live action all-star Superman. Yeah, yeah. you never know. You yeah. never know. That might be the um, <clears throat> next step, really, to try and, you know, bring Superman proper <laughs> to the yeah. to the silver screen. I mean, I wouldn't you know? mind seeing Cal yeah. take, having one more shot at it. Yeah, it's, for sure, man. It's just that everyone says, oh, WB's drugging their feet. Yeah. They don't care about Superman. It's not that they don't care about Superman. They love Superman at Warner Brothers when you know done right because look at Superman and Lois. The problem is that I keep telling people, especially the yeah. Zack Snyder crazies, is that Henry Cavill is busy. <laughs> he's got The Witcher. He's got Nola <laughs> he's Holmes. A busy guy. He's got Nola yeah. Holmes. He's got like Highlander to film right after that. When does he have <laughs> the time? There's a reason why he's not actually in the cameo on Shazam. He couldn't literally could not have time to fly out to what was it Toronto when they were filming Shazam. Philadelphia, the rest okay, of the Toronto. That makes sense, though. And it's like, yeah. it's like, it's most of a day to fly from Budapest to Toronto, get off the plane, film the role, fly back, and then fly back. It's a waste of a day. It's like, yeah, it's right. Like, it's like, and so even if he wanted to do it, he couldn't schedule it right. So a lot of people are like, oh, he no. is it? So, you know, some people are just like looking for reasons to get angry, unfortunately, when the real answer yeah. is he didn't have the time. Logistics, yeah. <laughs> as usual, yeah, it's usually down it's to logistics. Same reason why I get busy. People who complain about the mustache issue, just think it's like WB did everything they could to work around it, but Paramount drew the bad guy because Paramount refused yeah, to let him shave. Exactly. Yeah, and exactly. it's like that part um, always you have to have a consistent mustache. <laughs> and, you know, and it is messed up. They were shut down. The production shut down on on Mission Impossible, anyways, because Tom Cruise nearly killed himself doing a stunt. And it's like, yeah, right. It's like he'll grow it back in like five minutes. I mean, this is a guy who like constantly reloads his fist and he gains a five o'clock shadow on on film. (laughs) (laughs) Totally, man. Totally, it's hilarious, isn't it? Um, But uh, alongside um, your your copy of All Star Superman, uh, what weapon, tool, or useful item would you like to take with you as well? Seeds. Seeds. Yeah. For nice. food, for yep. materials, we need you know, you know. At the end of the day, you know, we need food. <laughs> like everyone's like, oh, you need like a <laughs> straight up. It's like everyone's like, oh, you need this weapon or that weapon or something. It's like at the end of the day, you know, a community needs to eat. You so we need a plant. Yeah. As long as you can feed everybody, you're good. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> and if anything, a seed is a um. It's a symbol of hope. 
Yeah, true that. Fair play, man. And so that that ends um, your comics for the apocalypse very nicely, Daniel. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for sharing um, all of your comics for the apocalypse. It's been a, it's been a real pleasure. Um, and uh, for the listeners, one more time, where can they find you online? You can find me on Facebook at Daniel Calvin at American Dreams Comic at uh, LS Studios Comics. That's all Facebook. Um, Twitter at, at Daniel Calvin. Uh, and Instagram at dcalvin at Atlas Studio Comics. Nice. Excellent. Um, and uh, yeah, are you going to any cons this year? Or I got two planned so far. I have Terrificon in Connecticut in late July, early August, and I have Baltimore at the end of October. I'm hoping to get to New York Comic Con in the beginning of October, yeah. but that's always... Nice. You know, like I wanted to go to like C2E2 or Emerald City, but... Because I'm already uh-huh. taking so much time off because I have a friend actually flying in from England and he's going to be helping me at this convention. Right. And because I'm going to have the time nice. off to basically hang out with him, I can't easily justify mm-hmm. taking more time off in August to go to Emerald City or C2E2. So, and so the right. breaks. And I'll see if I can do like a more local con convention here. I mean, there's um, Cradle. Mm-hmm. What I like, but I don't think, I think they're all full up now. But the con- a convention I like is a Cradle Con. It's at the Cradle Aviation Museum out on Long Island. And it's a really okay. good small convention in this really cool like uh, Air and Space Museum. Nice. Very nice. Um, well, yeah, um, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to make New York Comic Con this year. But I, I'm, I'm hoping to, to go um, in the next couple of years. Um, and and if I do, I'll I'll hit you up. And if you're going, it'd be good to to actually um, grab a coffee or something. Yeah, that'd be great. It's let me just warn you though. Um, have you ever been to like San Diego Comic Con on the West Coast? I haven't been to San Diego, but I mean, you know, the <laughs> MCM London Comic Con over here is run by the same company that yeah. did New York Comic Con. Com- um, it's pretty manic. <laughs> Your Comic Con, from what I've been told, as of I think twenty. 20- 19 was the biggest convention yeah. in the world biggest convention in north america was it yeah i mean there's bigger Gosh. ones in tokyo and paris but Epic. in north america sure near comic-con had yeah. outdone san diego comic-con and i'm like oh amazing and cool. it's kind of scary didn't it's scary because the javits center is actually a lot smaller than the san diego convention center so it's like <laughs> I... just crammed in yeah well I, it's, it's, it's true true to the new york soul isn't it just yeah. jam you in like sardines I will say, last year when i went i had a pro pass so i went to support some support friends and just to hang out and um nice. they managed to make it less craze but they also really spread things out so it wouldn't feel as crowded, which is good for a health reasons because COVID, and sure, and B because um, it just for last for like 2016, 2018, 2019 when I was at those conventions, it just felt so crammed. Even in Artist Alley, and Artist Alley for the last couple of years in New York Comic Con is in the basement of the Javits. Right, it's to be in this whole separate pavilion, and that pavilion's <clears throat> under repair. But they really spaced it out this year, and it did, so it didn't feel as tight, which is nice. very nice. Done, and yeah, it also, it, also and it, was, <laughs> it felt very. And the upstairs main show floor felt less cramped as well. Cool. 
So yeah, not 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 as big as um, previous years, but nicer. And and sometimes that's what it's about, isn't it? Quality over quantity. Yeah. <laughs> totally man well again daniel uh calvin thank you so much for sharing your comments with your products it has been an absolute pleasure and uh yeah hopefully our, our paths will cross at some point in the future yep that have been beyond <laughs> excellent thanks man take care you too bye thanks again to daniel for being on comics for the apocalypse it was an absolute pleasure if you enjoyed the show please leave a review for us on itunes or whichever podcast service you use as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Daniel's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the comic club, and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.